Welcome to the Vision Driven Marriage Podcast. If you're struggling in your marriage, or maybe you're wondering if it's even salvageable, before you give up or before you let things get too hard, let us come alongside you and help you solidify your marriage. We offer biblical encouragement and insight to help you strengthen your marriage. I'm all about categorizing things. Grouping concepts to help make them more understandable and less overwhelming, that's what we're here to do today. So often we hear the word intimacy and we think only of emotional or physical or spiritual intimacy. But let me tell you, it is so much more than that. In this episode, we break down six of the 12 areas of intimacy that we touched on in our interview with Rick and Nancy K. Grace. So when you hear someone say, if you just increase your intimacy, you'll make your relationship better. You and your spouse can determine an area of your marriage that you're able to work on and not feel so powerless to fix. Let's listen in. Welcome back to the Vision Driven Marriage Podcast. We're Doug and Leslie Davis, and we are so glad that you're back with us again as we look at part two of how to strengthen your marriage by expanding your intimacies. Last week, we were able to look at six of the 12 types of intimacy, and we're going to look at the second half of that list this week. But just to recap, just so you can uh, recall the ones that we've already looked at, they included sexual intimacy, emotional intimacy, intellectual intimacy, aesthetic intimacy, creative intimacy, and recreational intimacy. This week, we'll be looking at work intimacy, crisis intimacy, commitment intimacy, conflict intimacy, communication intimacy, and spiritual intimacy. And if you can't remember that list, don't worry about it. There will be a PDF in the show notes that you'll be able to download. And remember, as we look at intimacy, what we're talking about is something that gives you the opportunity as a couple to draw closer to one another and and to realize that you have a connection, to connect in ways that maybe you hadn't connected uh, prior to this. And I also wanted to remind you that the things on this list are not uh, something that you need to make sure you have a connection in each of these 12 areas. Instead, it is a list to show you some areas where you may not have previously connected or connected as well as you'd like to. And uh, this will give you an opportunity to see what areas of connection exist so that you can grow intimate, more intimate with one another. And here's why. As we look at scripture, we know that, that God says that for this reason, a man will leave his mother and father and cling only to his own wife and the two will become one flesh. So we know that it's God's will for us as a married couple to be intimate, to be close, to be connected. And so these are just some ways that you might be able to connect in a better way. And I think that uh, the closer that you get to the Lord as a couple, the more that you'll find that you're that you're more intimate in each of these areas, um, at, you know, as your relationship matures. But the first one that we're going to look at today is work intimacy, um, and the definition of work intimacy is the performing of tasks, including everyday ones, maintaining the home, raising the family, earning a living, participating in the community. You know, it's deeply satisfying to plan and work with the support of a partner and to share in the satisfaction of completing the task. But I think that this intimacy is probably the one where a lot of the battles begin 
because there is a there's an assigning of tasks yes. and not a completing of the tasks together. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the assigning of those tasks are unspoken mm -hmm. expectations that will cause problems because one spouse may not understand that that's the expectation on them. Um, the the example that comes to my mind is taking out the garbage. You know that task was assigned to Doug when we first mm -hmm. got married because my dad did that all the time. Like that was right. my dad's task, you know? So he didn't realize that that was the task that was assigned to him. <laughs> right. And and I also didn't realize that for a long time I'd been the only one taking the garbage out. But then on an opportunity where I didn't take it out when I should have, then we had the uh, communication issue of that being something that was expected but never communicated. So here's what we want to look at with work intimacy. As much as possible, find tasks that you can do together. Mm -hmm. However, some tasks are going to have to be done by just one of you, but you can still get the assigning of the task uh, as something that you do together. So you can come together in agreement on the assigning of the tasks, but as much as possible, find things that you can do together. Here's a couple of examples. Uh, maybe it's time for spring cleaning. Nobody really likes to do that, but you do it together. It makes it more fun. Or the laundry's been piling up and it's just really been a burden, but you decide that you're going to spend a little bit of time together as you fold and put away the laundry. Maybe it's something that's, you know, just a once in a while thing, like, uh, we're going to plant the garden or we're going to do landscaping. Whatever it is, though, find an opportunity for you to do that together. Not only will it reduce the burden of the task, but it will help you grow closer to one another. Absolutely. Absolutely. The second intimacy today that we're going to look at is crisis intimacy. And crisis in intimacy comes <clears throat> when a couple stands together through a hardship whether it's big or it's small. And sometimes the relationship itself is a test, but when right. adversity or change kind of throw it off balance, you know, for a while. And a couple that doesn't um, navigate that crisis very well doesn't mm -hmm. have strong intimacy in that area. All right. And I want to make sure that we understand we're going to be talking about two different types of intimacy today that sound a little bit off-putting at first. Crisis intimacy and then later conflict intimacy. But let me make sure you understand the difference. Crisis intimacy is when the two of you as a couple face something that has been externally thrust upon you. Mm -hmm. uh, conflict intimacy that we'll look at later is within your mm -hmm. relationship and it's usually because of what you have been choosing to do and you know you've created a conflict. But here, we're talking about things that, you know, the world throws at you things that just happen, things that you just face. Uh, the loss of a job or a struggle because a car broke down or a worldwide uh, pandemic. A worldwide pandemic or the health uh, of a loved one not being as good as, as anyone would like for it to be. Um, maybe the death of a family member. Those are really difficult things. Those are serious things and you can't control when they happen. Um, and, and so as a result, how you choose to face them um, can bring you closer together, but you're going to have to preemptively ahead of time before anything ever happens, recognize this is an opportunity for us to go grow closer to each other. If you don't look at it as a team opportunity, if you don't 
pull the same direction on the rope. Um, we've seen crisis after crisis after crisis that actually causes a couple to, to grow apart and sometimes to damage the relationship beyond repair. Mm-hmm. I can think of the loss of a child. Yes. Um, we've seen a lot of marriages that have broke up because um, they didn't navigate that crisis well for each other right. and um, lost the intimacy within their marriage. You know, and, and it's difficult because none of us want a crisis ever. And, and they're unpredictable. Um, you can plan for the concept of a crisis, but when the crisis itself comes, it almost always catches you off guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, what shouldn't catch you off guard, one of the things you can do is to just acknowledge on a, on a fairly regular basis that regardless of what happens, we're in this together. And it's more than just those words, that demonstration and that reminder and that preemptive thinking mm-hmm. of regardless of what happens, we're in this together, will allow you to, to truly face a crisis with some connection uh, because you realize that even in the midst of an unpredictable circumstance, the relationship that you have not only is predictable, but it's been preemptively put in place for connection. And then on the outside of that crisis, then you're able to say that the crisis has made us stronger. Right. Right. So the next in, uh, the next intimacy that we're going to look at is commitment intimacy. And the definition of commitment intimacy is the feeling of reciprocity that develops over time when you have the dedication to a shared goal. This one, just the simplest terms, are you on the same page with your spouse? That's, that's the simplest way to describe this. Are you on the same page as your spouse? A lot of the things that I've read about commitment uh, intimacy share that you know marriage in general is a big demonstration of commitment mm-hmm. intimacy because we've committed to one another. But let's look at commitment intimacy in the more practical, applicable, let's do something about it phase. Um, what's a, a shared goal that the two of you want to not only work on, but you want to come together closer to one another as you work on it. It may be, we want to save for a down payment to buy our first house. And just having that shared commitment, that shared goal, that thing that brings you together regularly to discuss it, to talk about it, to dream together, that type of a commitment will bring you closer to one another. And it's an amazing thing when you see commitment intimacy at work. It, it may be you know, that you're looking to adopt a child, or it may be that you're uh, planning a mission trip together, but something that you're looking forward to, you've committed to it, you're planning together, you're working together, and you're showing a long period of time committing toward reaching that goal as a couple. An example of what uh, commitment intimacy would would not look like would be a... A couple sitting down together in case we have this goal and we want to have, you know, X number of dollars saved in five years or whatever. And then one spouse quits their job or wants to change jobs with, and not that that's the bad part, but without talking to their spouse and aligning that with the goals that they've already created. And that's just a, uh, you know, sitting down and having that major conversation of, okay, how does this decision affect us as a couple, how does this decision affect our long-term goals? Mm-hmm. You know, that that sort of stuff. And then sometimes those uh, um, conversations are really hard to have. They you can know? be. But but the, the benefit 
of commitment intimacy is that it provides a security mm-hmm. that that is provable, that's demonstrative. You can over time you can see this is something that we're doing together, and you know that you have each other's back. Mm-hmm. Which you know, in a, in a marriage, we we always want to be able to demonstrate that we have each other's back. But when you have a shared goal that you're both equally committed to, it's a demonstration of yes we're in this together that that really, really draws you close. Mm -hmm. The next form of intimacy that we're going to look at is conflict intimacy. And the definition of conflict intimacy, it comes from speaking up and facing differences in a respectful and helpful way. How you approach a conflict when it happens, because it's going to happen. Yes. But how you approach that and the boundaries that you've set, the rules of engagement that you've set ahead of time is going to reflect how well you can handle conflict intimacy. Right. And, you know, it may be one of those things that feels counterintuitive. How could a conflict possibly connect us more? But it's, it's again, it's the way you do it. And, you know, if I had to break conflict intimacy down into one word, it's respectful. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're, again, just like Leslie said, you're going to disagree. We all have moments where we disagree. Mm-hmm. But being able to respect each other in the midst of the disagreement. It's even okay. You know, I don't agree with you at all, but I want to hear why you think that. I want to understand. Being able to... um, I, and again, I, I don't. I don't want this to become something that we don't process. When I say navigate the situation, but you know, you're steering through a conflict, and as you steer through that conflict, the path you take matters. And and so, um, if you take a path that causes you to spiral in opposite directions, uh, conflict can be one of the worst things that ever happens in your relationship. But if even in the midst of a disagreement, you can end up going the same direction even though it might be difficult to get there. Uh, having that respectful conflict can bring intimacy even in the midst of conflict. And there are, you know, there are good things that you can put into place as far as rules, rules of engagement, or right. a roadmap, you know, as... Mm-hmm you know, keeping with the, with the analogy there, but the roadmap would be like the rules of driving. Right. They would be like no name calling. So right. if we're engaging in, and I, I never allowed name calling in my house. And mm-hmm. so when we're engaging in a conflict, um, if you felt the need to call somebody a name, then it would time to back out and kind of think about what you're, right. what you really want to say, you know, but no mm-hmm. name calling or hitting below the belt or, right. Um, you know, there's a handful of rules of engagement that can be um, put into place when we're talking about conflict intimacy and being able to navigate conflict in a way that's respectful. You will always come out on the other side better because you know that um, you can trust your spouse in or- right. to handle those conflicts with respect. And come up with those rules of engagement ahead of time, ahead of time not during the conflict. Yep. It'll be it's very difficult during the conflict, yep. but it, and, and you'll do it badly for a while before you do it well, do not feel like a failure. Just continue to play by those rules you've established and your ability to make it through conflict will get better. Will get better. That's right. The next type of intimacy that we're going to look at is communication intimacy. Mm-hmm. And the definition is honest and open, loving, proactive interaction. And I think a lot of that was what we were just talking about is being proactive as far as communicating through a conflict. But this is not even in a conflict. Like no, this is this goes all way beyond the time. that. Yeah. Right. And so what we're talking about is being able to, to and, and this is one of those words a lot of us don't like, but being able to get to a place where you know, 
I am completely safe with my spouse. My spouse will always protect my heart. My spouse will always protect my reputation. So again, it's going to be something that might take some time to prove not only the trustworthiness, uh, but to also prove the the commitment. Um, And so as we look at communication, here's something that, that that's really going to mean. Can I be vulnerable? That's the word we don't always like. But we're talking about being so open, so honest, that you're able to share the things that concern you. You're able to share the things that, that you're afraid of. You're able to share the, the dreams that you know might not sound realistic, or you're able to share why something bothers you even though you know it shouldn't. And being able to have those types of open communications where you know I can be vulnerable because my spouse will always protect me, Mm -hmm. uh, will allow you to draw closer and to have conversations that are, uh, I I don't want to use the word deep because it goes beyond deep, conversations that, that open you up to truly let your spouse into a place that you've never let anybody else in before. And you'll be connecting on a level that you've never connected on before. And so the next type of intimacy that we're going to look at is one that we've touched on before in a previous episode. And I will link that previous episode into the show notes, but it is spiritual intimacy. Spiritual intimacy develops through sharing your love of God with each other and growing closer to the Lord as you grow closer to each other. Right. We, we know that a threefold cord is not easily broken. And one of our desires for your relationship is that you would grow closer to each other as you grow closer to the Lord and that he would be the center of everything that you do. Now, you know, a lot of times when we look at these at these 12 intimacies, you know, people will talk about uh, spiritual intimacy as a, as a general term. We're talking very specifically about being intimate, in your relationship with your spouse as you grow in your walk with God. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's several ways we can do that. One of the things that, and, and we also wanted to remind you, uh, Rick and Nancy uh, earlier this month talked about how there were, there were several things in spiritual intimacy that they wanted to do, and they felt like they failed at it a lot before they started doing things that were effective in their relationship. This is the place where you probably will be attacked the most as you try to get close to your spouse. So just know that up front. There's not an absolute right way to do it. There's multiple ways that you can draw close to God as a couple. Um, Now, they're going to include things like praying together, which is really difficult for people. It's going to include things like uh, studying together. And, you know, Rick and Nancy talked about how they'd study the same scripture, but they'd do it at different times because their, their time where they were on were totally different times of day. And so they would study separately and then talk about what they'd studied. So there isn't just one right way to do it. And then, of course, you can worship together as well. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that we did, we we sat down to study the Bible together too. Mm-hmm. And our differences was the time of day. We right. couldn't come together on the right time of day that was right. good for both of us. And so we just decided that that wasn't going to be a way that we were going to be developing spiritual intimacy together. Well, and we did for a while, which was a blessing. Um, that's one of the other things. You may have seasons where it looks one way, and then in a different season, it will look differently. Um, because one of the things that we do as we study together now is you know, hosting a study group at our home. Mm-hmm. And so that... A 
allows us to to be in the same place at the same time studying together. It looks differently than a previous season of study in our life. And and it's one of the things I want to encourage you about spiritual intimacy. Um, God will bring you to different seasons of your life where it might look a little different. But the one thing that will be consistent is that the spiritual intimacy that you face will draw the two of you closer together because you're being drawn close to the heart of God. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So the six intimacies that we covered today were work intimacy, crisis intimacy, communi- commun- sorry, commitment intimacy, conflict intimacy, communication intimacy, and spiritual intimacy. And again, with all of these, you don't have to plug every one of them into your life. However, we pray that one of these things today will spark something in your relationship to say, this is an area where we can grow closer to each other, where we can have a connection that we haven't previously had so that our intimacy as a couple will grow closer together. We want to thank you for joining us on the Vision Driven Marriage Podcast, where we seek to solidify your marriage. 